Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello one and all, and welcome to After the Checkered Flag, our F1 special series here on the Behind the Glass podcast. I am one of your hosts, Sam, from the YouTube channel Seen Through Glass, and alongside me, permanent co-host, <laughs> Paul Wallace from Supercars London. I've now signed the contract, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we are back! Yeah, we We're are back. back! I'm so excited. I also don't think it's after the chequered flag, considering it's before the lights out. Well, this particular episode, you're right. Uh, the The name of this series doesn't quite <laughs> befit uh, what we're going to be discussing. Although, did they wave a chequered flag after testing? Probably. Let's just assume <laughs> yeah, yeah, that they yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, if you don't know, because we actually have gained on this channel uh, uh, quite a few subscribers since uh, After Checker Flag ended at the end of last year. Um, this is just an excuse for Paul and I to know that about <laughs> Formula One, because we're big Formula One fans, and we spend most of the week discussing Formula One, or at least after the race discussing Formula One, we thought, why not put it onto a podcast? So, Absolutely. Um, throughout the year, we will be sitting down to reflect upon, review, analyse each race of the 2022 F1 season. Give our non-expert opinion. Oh, t- yeah, hey, we must clarify, we are not experts. <laughs> to, yeah, to new subscribers, Sam has driven a Formula One car, <laughs> yes, and he does like to I talk about it quite a lot. That, <laughs> but uh, that, that is the only connotation that we have to what the guys in the cars actually experience. Yeah, the only reference That we like to give our opinion on what we would have done differently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and important to know that we are quite biased. We are Lewis Hamilton fans, but we also support support lots of other teams and drivers. Uh, people sometimes get upset that we're sometimes a bit too biased towards Lewis. <laughs> I think this year we're going to try our best to, you know... Yeah, uh, to, to not... Not be too blinkered. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's very exciting because, of course, we've got an entirely new season ahead of us with all new regulations and potentially an entirely new pecking order. Well, I mean, let's first say that we've got a brand new car. Cars. Well, yes, (laughs) there are 20 of them, uh, but they look completely different. And watching them go around testing, it kind of reminded me of that jump between PlayStation 4 and then buying PlayStation 5 and playing. (laughs) I haven't done that yet, it's good to know. (laughs) But just getting this all new look that immediately dates the cars from last season. So weird, isn't it? It's nuts to watch highlights or to see clips from last season. Having watched the new cars go round at Bahrain, it now just makes you realise, well, they look a little bit rubbish. Yeah, well, we've moved forward so quickly. And actually, it's a perfect opportunity to quickly touch upon Drive to Survive. So before we get get into our 2022 predictions and reviewing testing and, well, yeah, analysing what might be ahead before the first race of the year, uh, let's touch upon last year and how it was summarised on the 
ever popular Drive to Survive. The Netflix the special. Netflix special. <laughs> so is this season four of Drive to Survive? I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah, I think season so. Four of Drive to Survive. And, and look, I think a lot of you listening will be existing Formula One fans, but you may be new to the sport thanks to Drive to Survive. Mm. You know, those of us who have watched the sport for a while, or at least pre-Drive to Survive, you know, we can sometimes be precious about it. And go, oh, well, <laughs> but fundamentally, it's helped to bring a lot of attention to the sport. And realistically, last year was so special and controversial and incredible because I think a lot more people were watching it and talking about it and invested in it. So for that, bravo, Drive to Survive. Do I clap as well? Uh, up to you. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> but but I've seen some interesting comments about this yeah. latest season and I want to hear your thoughts and I'm going to give you a kind of um, a, a, a suggestion, a thought or conspiracy as to why maybe mm, some of the cons- A conspiracy this early yeah. on. This early <laughs> on. I can't wait. Um, so come on, what, have you? did you watch any of it? Most of it? I'll talk about what I did watch. Okay. And that will give you an idea of my perception on it. But first, I think it is important to say that, yes, the gates open and the floods coming through the gates to Formula One as a sport through Netflix is exciting. And I know that there are a lot of people that maybe be tuning into this podcast, having watched Drive to Survive and are looking forward to this season. I watched the entire first episode, kind of enjoyed it. Thought it was quite cool. Nice way to set up the year because also it was a long time ago. I was kind of just refreshing my brain. Everything that happened leading up to Abu Dhabi is still quite fresh and still a little bit hurtful. (laughs) (laughs) But then I watched about 10 minutes of episode two, got bored, skipped to episode seven, I think it is, to watch the build up to Abu Dhabi because I wanted to see what was going on behind the scenes. I wanted to see footage we hadn't seen before of Toto, of Christian, of the team's debriefing and Lewis talking about, oh, that's a little bit petty about Red Bull going after this part and then Mercedes. And then I just turned it off. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I wanted to see. No, for me as a fan and as someone who watched 99% of the race coverage last year, the bits that I really enjoy from Drive to Survive are the kind of slightly natural behind the scenes moments, the drivers interacting, the little sort of, you know, as they get out of the car, you know, Danny Rick, I think with some of his struggles from McLaren at one point saying, oh look, what's the fine if I just don't do media because I just don't want to talk to media right now. Those little insights, which we don't tend to get on TV coverage. I think breaking down the barrier to what we're seeing on a race weekend from Sky Sports, let's say, just breaking down and, and seeing them as people for sure is the best part about drive to survive i totally agree because because the way they summarize the races in the season if you're someone who has watched the races in the season you're sort of you can start to pick holes in some of the narratives and some of the footage doesn't quite add up and look it, it's made well, for Hollywood and inverted commas, but to attract a new audience, it is sensationalized in lots of areas. And some of the drivers, especially Max Verstappen, come out and say, look, I'm not happy with how they represent me or the sport or this storyline. Um, so yeah, it's it's not really, I don't think, for existing fans, apart from those small little funny moments, for example. I loved finding out that Toto Wolf is obsessed with really niche breads and, and egg styles. Like every episode, and I, I saw this summarized quite well somewhere saying that fundamentally what we found out about 
Horner and Wolf is that Horner tries to play it really cool. Like, I'm just, I'm just a normal cool guy. Like, I'm here for racing, <laughs> yeah. but actually is riding around on horses yeah, yeah. and going clay pigeon shooting <laughs> and in his helicopter. Whilst Toto Wolf comes across as like, you know, the, I, I don't care, I'm very laid back. I'm just here for the sport, but actually can I have to pump a nickel bread? My post egg slightly, <laughs> yeah. like every time he orders breakfast. Anyway, so those insights for me, I find amazing. I did the same as you. Well, I think I probably watched four or five episodes. I forced myself because I knew we were going to talk about it today. I think, because I've seen on Twitter a lot of people saying, oh, I actually think this was the worst season of Drive to Survive, or actually I'm not sure I've enjoyed Drive to Survive that much this year. I think that's because the actual F1 season last year was filled with so much (laughs) real-life drama that firstly, we all consumed it last year and we were exhausted by it by the end of the year that turning that into a sort of a Netflix special was quite hard to do because it couldn't really live up to the actual drama. <laughs> of watching like, it live. Of watching it live yeah. and watching it unfold. And because of the way that they do it and the way they sort of shapeshift some of the situations, like for example, I saw someone tweet about this at Monza. You wouldn't have seen this. <laughs> uh, no, 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 I think I've seen the tweet. <laughs> yeah, so they basically made out that Verstappen won the sprint race. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Poor Bottas. You can see the onboard footage. Bottas is in front of him. They went, well, I'm actually won the big one. Well done. Um, so yeah, I mean, just, you know, interesting. But moments. imagine having never watched a Formula One race but having your netflix subscription logging on and then clicking and watching episode one of drive to survive and being oh my god absolutely being opened up to this world that you never knew existed or might not have wanted to watch a full race weekend because it is or can be quite monotonous and watching the strategies or thinking about watching the strategies play out just go and watch the netflix series and get it all packaged up in what, eight 40 minute episodes? Well, I can't remember the viewership for that final race in Abu Dhabi, but it was insane. I think actually viewership across the year, they did talk about record numbers, but it was, I think weirdly, it was a bit of a dip. Anyway, long story short, I Everyone think, was tuning into our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't watch the races. Let's just yeah, 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 yeah. Those experts know what they're talking about. <laughs> um, but yeah, so fu- fundamentally, I think you're right. It still remains a fantastic way to bring people into the sport. But I think once you're in, and if you decide to then start watching the races, when a season delivers like it did last year, you're a bit like, I don't need drive to survive. Yeah, I'm getting yeah. everything I can, everything I want. And, and it was such an exciting uh, season that, yeah, it was struggle. But... But you're right, if you didn't watch last year, you saw a few headlines here and there, to then sit down and watch Drive to Survive, you'll probably- Blow your mind. Oh my God, I'm definitely tuning into 2022, (laughs) as we will be, because, oh, oh, we have the potential for another jaw-dropping season, and we don't really know why at this point. You know, I mean, the last, what, six, seven years- You know exactly why. Ferrari look fast. (laughs) Are we jumping straight in? We'll we'll come back to that. Okay. I don't want to get too overexcited because that will be the rest. Well, it sounds like you're going down that that road. The next 50 minutes, we'll just literally be going, Charles Leclerc. No, no, no. What I was trying to say is that we don't really know what's ahead of us. You know, the, the last six, seven years, whilst there have been changes, whilst there have been small tweaks to the regulations, we've been fundamentally sure of the pecking order. You know, it's been Mercedes, Ferrari and Red Bull pretty consistently. Okay, Williams were there right at the start of the hybrid era, but pretty consistently, those three teams have been competing for victories and, and really only recently for championships. So now we've got this kind of blank canvas where, sure, I think we're assuming that those three teams are still going to be at the top, but you never know. Mm. I don't think anyone, I still don't think anyone revealed their hand in testing. Which I think is due to what happened at the end of last season. 
I think this year and what we saw or didn't see at testing is people being uber secretive because they've realised now that actually the game of chess starts way before testing. So having seen the development of the cars and what actually happened at the end of last season, I actually think every single team has gone into this to be like, we are not giving anyone a sniff of what we've been working on because every single team has been working on their car and the development of their car all through last season as well. Oh, but even longer, I yeah, think some yeah. teams, you know, have been going out of this for a while and teams have come out and said, you know, and addressed the fact that they've been working on some of these projects for a long time. And, and Red Bull were the clearest indicators of that at testing world on the final day in a shroud of secrecy. They, they waited as long as possible before finally pulling up the curtains and revealing this sort of new final design of their, or potentially final design of their side pod. Um, and immediately the car goes out mm. and is quick. So this is going to happen. It's going to be a huge development rate this race this year. If you go back to 20, 2009 and 2014 and look at, you know, what teams are able to do throughout a season, how quickly they are to catch with each other and, and things like that. We've got, we've, we, the, the winner of the first five races may not <laughs> yeah, win the yeah, championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we don't know what's going to happen, but what we're going to try and do today is is uh, preempt or, or- Predict. Predict or analyze. I don't know what, but we're going to- Not analyze. Okay. We're not experts. <laughs> not <analyze. laughs> I'll be able to analyze the livery design. <laughs> well, that's, that's an interesting thing to analyze. Um, but yeah, we're going to go through the grid in reverse order, talk about the drivers, the any new drivers, uh, driver lineups, et cetera, uh, the cars and how we think those teams might do this year there are some rookies right or rookies rookie 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 yeah there's some new drivers back (laughs) back on the grid exactly um and then of course what is now going to become tradition even though this is only the second year after the flag we will be making our pre-season predictions as to champion (sighs) in terms of driver and constructor right should we get into it let's get into it we'll start with Haas. now what an interesting preseason has have had. <laughs> I mean, sad for you, because I think at some point prior to Russia going insane and invading <laughs> Ukraine, you wankers. Um, sorry, that's more end of Putin. Um, uh, you were begging for some Mazepin financial support. This well, podcast. yeah, like I kind of went off that idea. I'm <laughs> glad that didn't work out because we yeah, would currently oh not God. be active. Um, yeah. But yeah, I- I'm just going to come out and say, it. thank God they're gone. Yeah. Um, you know, probably took a year too long for, for old Mazepin to get out. Uh, I don't know what he's like on a personal level. He's never come across particularly well, apart from a couple of interviews. And I think his behavior and his reactions to losing this seat and Uraklai, Uraklai, the sponsor name being, yeah. being booted, has just shown his true yeah. colors. Yeah. And, and I think we're, we're happy to be rid of that family from the sport. Um, well said. Oh, thank you. Um, Is that rehearsed? No, not really. Um, you are reading. No, I, well, I'm, I'm looking down to just remind myself if there's any other key points I should be mentioning. Um, but it's it left, you know, Haas in this slightly sort of unpredictable mm. start of the year where we were say they were losing, potentially losing money, they were losing a driver, we didn't really know what was going. But they ended up finishing pre-season testing <laughs> like worryingly strong. Like Everyone was like, what? <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> so of course, drivers are Mick Schumacher and now the return came of Kevin Magnussen. No one saw that coming. No. I mean, when 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 old Mazepin got the boot, I think people were like, oh God, we're going to get fit Like, oh, I, 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 I read those reports thinking, <clears throat> what a way to make the grid boring. Oh, well, what a no, I mean, Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think this really, I think the fact that they brought Magnussen back 
actually gives us a lot of hope for for Haas. It suggests that they've realized they need the sort of the um, experience. experience, thank you, the experience, the knowledge, the ability of an experienced driver mm. like Kevin Magnussen, but also that maybe they've got a package there that could actually be utilised. Yeah. Um, you know, I saw another few uh, hilarious tweets saying, you know, maybe what if last year Haas was a championship winning card with two disastrous <laughs> drivers? It would be a very good test for Schumacher yeah. now to go up such an experienced driver. I mean, what's your thoughts on Magnussen? Are you a Magnussen fan? Do you know what? I feel like he delivered. I feel like he he was uh, a delivery driver for Haas <laughs> in terms of the odd point here and there. Um, and I think he's a much better teammate for Mick Schumacher because we all want Mick Schumacher to do well. We all want him to gain experience in a Formula One car. And I don't think having the two young drivers in that undrivable car last year really gave him any confidence. Um, so I'm hoping that K-Mag can come back in. I think he's either coming back for two reasons. Either he believes in the car and he believes that he's still got it and he's almost coming back with a point to prove or he's coming back for the money. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think I don't there'll th be much money there. I, that's the, I, I, yeah. I actually think it is point one. Absolutely. And that kind the fact of, it happened so quickly as well. It excites me given what we knew about Haas last year saying they weren't going to develop the car for 2021 because we're putting all of our resources into the 2022 car to make that the most competitive package possible. Now throw an actual legit podium scoring experienced Formula One driver in who knows? I think we'll probably come at the end and try and, you know, put the teams where we think they are before the first race. But I think Haas may have moved into a midfield position from being right at the back of the field, sort of Williams circa, what, 2019. You know, they really, I think, potentially taken a big step forward in their, their headline setting times were genuinely mm, fast yeah. times from both Schumacher and Magnussen. So I would hope... I would hope that, that they've got the potential to do some exciting stuff this year. And I'm really intrigued to see how Mick gets on with Kevin because historically, Mick Schumacher's performed better in his second season than all the other categories. He's had that year under his belt driving a very difficult car. He's now in a more competitive car. And with a driver that we know, if he beats Magnussen consistently or oh, wow. on his level, yeah. we're all going to go, ah, okay, yeah. fair play. You know, I don't think Magnussen necessarily was ever if he beat if he, if he beats K-Mag, you're going to be championing him to jump in a Ferrari car already? Uh, no, I don't Too think... Too soon? Well, also, we're going to come on to it, but Leclerc and Science. Oh, <laughs> the holy package! Uh, too soon. Uh, and and I, don't, um, I don't think he's going to do any better going to Alfa Romeo, but I'll be shouting for Mick to yeah, keep progressing. Yeah. But who knows? Maybe Haas is going to keep moving back up the field. Who knows? So let's move on then. Um, Williams, mm -hmm. Latifi and the returning Albon. Yeah. I love Alex uh, Albon. Yeah, yeah. I, I do really I love I remember Alex his Albon. first few races when he got that Red Bull drive. He was lunging from positions that you just could not, <laughs> could not so see. He was so exciting. He was a really exciting driver and he was able to make those maneuvers stick. And I hope that him coming into Williams, he'll just make that car a little, make it a little bit wider. And hopefully put on a little bit of a show, have some battles and um, not just sit towards the back of the field and just run a race. Hard to read Williams's testing mm. program. Uh, Car looked good though. Well, visually. Yeah. Yeah, visually the, I think on track it does look good. It's a, it's a good solid delivery. When it got revealed, I think a lot of people were like, hmm, and I was the same. I was like, oh, is this going to well, work? But better it, than what they've had. Yeah, it looked good. And I mm. think a new era for Williams, why not try a new livery? And so, yeah, 
It's, I say, hard to read. I, I think they're probably still lower midfield. I was going to say, I think they're still, as a team, a work in progress. Yeah, a work in progress. Let's hope that, that Albon can help push them, you know, up the field. You know, he did perform well at Toro Rosso. He did have that first amazing half a season mm. at Red Bull. And then things started to go a little bit downhill. But hopefully a year out, a bit of confidence. He did very well over in... DTM, wasn't it, that he was doing with Liam Lawson? Anyway, so... I don't think he did a few things last season. Excited to have him back. I would hope, and he needs to, destroy Latifi. (laughs) But, as we may discuss, (laughs) some very interesting stats came out over the winter break, that Latifi was performing fairly well last year, Mm. and people may not have noticed it. He really did get swept under the rug. He was almost on a par with George Russell. Mm. George is is the golden boy though. Oh, we're going to come on to it (laughs) because I'm going to take that shine off that. So yeah, Williams, probably the one team that I'm really going to struggle to to put in my Mm. pecking order uh, in terms of where they sit. But, you know, hopefully a a quiet pre-season testing means a solid season. Yeah. Alfa Romeo. Now for Mm. me... These are the this is the worrying sign out from here. They had a, a pretty horrendous test pre what, what do they in call Spain. it? Shakedown yeah. and in in Bahrain. Uh, obviously we've got Bottas making the big move away from Mercedes down the grid. Uh, and, and Guan Yu Zhou coming mm. in, first Chinese Formula One driver. I don't know I don't know how to read them. Like again, another pretty car. Yeah, I don't know anything about that livery, but I'm a fan. Yeah, yeah, but we were always a fan of Alfa Romeo. Yeah. The best thing about that car was watching in slow motion go around <laughs> corners. Beautiful <laughs> thing. But just, just not a lot of problems, a lot of issues. I feel like both drivers, and I'm giving Alfa Romeo a full-on zero expectation. Like, I could actually accept that they're just at the back of the field mm. and just run a little bit like how Williams and Haas have over the last couple of years and just be like, oh, yeah, like... They were once quite good with Kimi and Giovinazzi. Um, but I don't know, like, I listened to the podcast that Bottas jumped on towards the end of last season. And it was an, a really interesting insight, obviously, having the pressure of one year contract after one year contract at Mercedes, never knowing when he's going to get his seat renewed and always being on edge with Toto Wolff, even though off the grid, they're incredibly close friends. Toto just dangled that carrot to try and get the best performance out of him. Now he's going to this team. It seems like he's going to be able to build a team and a car around him. And I think that's what he's most excited by with the project, which kind of then makes me believe that there really is a blank canvas slash zero expectation shoving a rookie in a car and then having Bottas with the experience coming from Mercedes trying to take a little bit of that knowledge into Alfa Romeo and kind of mix because can you imagine mixing a little bit of German engineering with Italian flair oh <laughs> did I just sell Alfa Romeo you did uh, don't forget Sauber is still involved as well so you've got a bit of Swiss isn't it uh, anyway so the thing is, everything you say is kind of correct, but to me, that's a three to five year project. I mean, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, because because let's face it, they weren't performing that strongly last year. Giovinazzi did pull out some some stonker results at times, um, but but they were not that strong l- last year. And then technically, they look at or mechanically, they don't look that sound mm. coming into this year. <laughs> Grand Joe, you know, he trains just here. Really? Literally on the site. Is so, he there now? Yeah. Should we ask him? <laughs> he might be. Uh, no, he must be in Bahrain. Oh, yeah, true. He must be in Bahrain. So, true. so Sam at King's Can we get him on Frontier, the pod? We could try. Yeah. He, he, he wanted to come and do some laps on the sim, but I was like, no, I've got the quickest time. <laughs> the uh, but yeah, so, so Granny Joe's been down here quite a few times. Um, what does uh, he drive? He drives a... Um, uh, no, that's <laughs> Vips. Stay on brand, there. Sam. He drives no. a quadrifolio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I was going to say he drove a... McGowan, when he's thinking, but that, that's Vips who does the Red Bull program. 
he came I don't think he drives anything he must have a Uber. Julia now he just Ubered. yeah I think he does have an Uber because <laughs> I came in the other week he was here no, he doesn't have an Uber he just Ubers he does, he's not an Uber driver no, I never said he was an Uber <laughs> yeah, driver you said he had an Uber oh he got an Uber <laughs> <laughs> but there was an old crappy Alfa Romeo parked in the car park and I went and I said don't tell me that's your company car. <laughs> yeah. anyway so so hoping that he's going to pull out the results I don't know. I'm. I don't have very high expectations for exactly. Alpha. Just going with zero expectations. You can't okay. be disappointed at that point. <laughs> okay. Sure. Interesting. I think Bottas could be disappointed. <laughs> yeah. So another team that I've got a big question mark over, Aston Martin. Mm. So obviously we've got Vettel and Stroll back. Was it Aston Martin that said they actually hadn't turned their car up over forty percent? Yeah. So essentially, they had a very quiet preseason where everyone was going, oh, they didn't look mm. particularly strong. The car looked like a little bit of a handful. But then they came out and said, basically, we decided to go against the usual grain. We did a completely different program to everyone else. And yeah, essentially, we've been running full fuel and at like half engine. Mm. Like, and everyone was like, <laughs> <What>? oh shit. <laughs> what? Yeah. Because last year, they had a really slow start and then they just gave mm, up, right? Yeah, yeah, that was exactly it. Because the rule changes didn't suit them. They went in with all the confidence. Yeah, yeah, Aston yeah. Martin, we we got Vettel. And then they were like, oh, we're, we're really slow. And then <laughs> yeah. halfway through, they were like, nah, scrap this. Yeah, yeah. Now, I can't remember Lawrence Stroll's plan. I'm going to give you Lawrence Stroll's Aston Martin F1 plan. Because I think he said, by 20, what's his voice? <laughs> I don't know. It's really, 20, it's 20, really deep and powerful. A voice that I absolutely cannot do. Yeah, with a weird like, twenty twenty four. And he has a goal. He has some year where he's going to say, by this year, I'm going <laughs> to be not competing for championship. I mean, you sound a little bit like Kermit. I know. I do sound like Kermit. <laughs> um, Stroll's Aston Martin master plan is on course. So, look, I think this year they'll be aiming for sort of a fourth or a fifth in the championship, I would assume. Um, but, I mean, I just want a Vettel podium. That's all I want. I just want a Vettel podium. I mean, I'd, I, I'll just want the fact that we have the Aston Martin brand on the grid, looking how they look, excites me and gets me... Oh, the new livery is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, everyone has said that's the best looking car. I would say... Not, but it's up there. It's up there. And it, to me, that's how an Aston Martin should look. Last year, they got a little bit wrong with, mm -hmm. their, with their livery, but but this year, I think they've nailed it, brought in some AMR green. Mm. The base green is much better. Mm -hmm. The car, I think, as a non-expert, looks basic. Okay. So when I look at the car, I'm like, not impressed. Mm. <laughs> well, I look at a lot of other cars, I'm like, I mean, look at the Mercedes, look at the Red yes, Bull, look yeah, at past yeah. the McLaren, you're like, whoa. The Aston Martin, I'm like, ah. Looks kind of like... But maybe they're about to turn up with a huge package to Bahrain. Who well. knows? Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I do like the fact that their team is now being run by Mike Crack. Mm. Mike Crack. Mike <laughs> Crack. <laughs> I did not know that. Did you not know that? No. He used to be part of- Can we call him Michael Saturday. Crack? Yes, I think I think he probably requested that. Um, yeah, I, I'm hoping. I'm hopeful. because I'm. Oh, absolutely. Aston Martin. Yeah, exactly. You know, we need to get an Aston Martin cap down here mm. somewhere. But um, yeah, we all want them to do well, but- I think it'll be a tough-ish year, I think. I don't know. Well, let's see. Alpha Tauri, mm -hmm. Gasly and Sonoda back. I have to say, a little bit of a star of Drive to Survive, Yuki Sonoda. Have you seen that episode? No. Oh, the man's a maniac. Really? It's like having an annoying 15-year-old cousin <laughs> Just in, your, running in around. a TV show. Like He literally like comes out of the loo. He's like, that was a good pool. Like, I'm not even joking. And then he'll be like in a meeting, like in a press briefing, he'll be like, by the way, guys, I farted. So and the best part is when he starts crashing loads, like firstly, he is language on the radio. He's just like, beep, 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 beep. Like, like everything's a swear word. He says the freaking C word. 
in the like, and they played out. Oh, so I was like, oh, I, mean, I guess Ricardo's in a few seats. Cover your ears, Vicky. Yeah, long story short, uh, he's got a full dangerous mouth. <laughs> and then they move him to Italy to, like, you know, get him to focus a bit more. And they want him to have a routine, and that's training every morning. He's like, I hate training. Oh, it's the worst thing in the world. Like, <laughs> I've seen it. I've I don't seen it. Do was it yeah. Abu Dhabi where they were like, right, we're going training now? And he's like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, he's in the morning somewhere. And he's just like, I can't do it anymore. I'm in I don't want to do this. And they're like, you got to apply yourself. He's like, no. Um, so yeah, he was a secret star of Judge Five, I think, just mad. But yeah, I mean, we love Alpha Tauri, don't we? Because we, we, love, we love Alpha Tauri. We love Gasly. We, love we want Gasly. we want him as much as we want Vettel in an Aston Martin to succeed. We want Gasly up there on the podium. We want to see him win. We're big champions of of Alpha Tauri and Gasly because they're kind of the unsung hero underneath the red ball uh, that get all of the limelight. So um, I think Marco came out, Helmut Marco, maybe Gasly came out saying that this year, at the end of this year, they will consider whether Gasly could move back up to Red Bull. Really? So this is the year, basically, because I think his contract ends at the end of this year. Mm. Perez signed a one-year extension, I'm pretty sure. So I think at the end of this year is when they'll decide. Now, for me, if I was Gasly's management, I'd be like, nah, bro. Yeah. Nah, they, yeah. they screwed you over. Yeah. And Verstappen, like, he's on a trajectory that yeah. is to the moon. Like, have, you seen his, have you seen his contract? I mean, ridiculous. <laughs> 50 million a year, whatever it is. Yeah. I wouldn't enter into that, Gasly. But if you're Pierre Gasly and you don't have many other options, McLaren's all full up and Mercedes all full up, you know, all these things like that, and you're stuck in AlphaTauri, maybe you think, screw it, I'll take that Red Bull seat mm. because maybe I could beat Verstappen. Maybe I'm confident enough to know that I could take him on, but I don't know. I'm hopeful for him, but I would love to see him end up going somewhere else to succeed. I think, I, I, yeah, I would, I would agree with you, but what, what does he got, what is he, the little, what has he got to lose? by taking that Red Bull seat again at the end of the year, because surely he'll just go back into an Alpha Tari car and is he- No, eek. I think that's it. Do you I, reckon? I, I think if they if he goes to Red Bull and, and fails, flops, that's the end of his career. Because oh. I, I think so it's, a bit, it's a bigger ultimatum than- Because the, the, the suggestion sounds. is then, both times he's been put into a race winning car, he can't deliver, yeah. he can't handle the pressure. Yeah. So any other big teams can be like, mm, nah, yeah. he's a midfield runner. Yeah. He's, he's good in the midfield team. And I think the midfield teams will be like, well, you've done it like uh, that's what I would say that's a, so. that is a hard decision to make as yeah. an elite athlete do you accept the fact that you're never going to make it or take that last chance but risk your entire career on it <laughs> but stay tuned but I mean I need to remind myself of contract lengths you know McLaren let's see what happens with Danny Rick hey, this year Mercedes Mercedes Lewis Hamilton he's yeah. not going to be around forever he yeah. said it um, so, you know, there are chances. You never, ever know. Um, but I think for Gasly, I think he is set on getting that Red Bull seat mm. back. I think Because he wants to prove to, everyone yeah, wrong. Exactly. Mm. And probably Red Bull themselves. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, again, hard team to read performance-wise from, from pre-season testing. So let's, let's wait. Well, let, I mean, considering what we experienced at testing in 2021, when Alfred Harry were like, oh my God, this is the team to beat, and then had the season that they had... I don't even think there's any point in trying to guess where they're going to be. But I think, as we described at the end of last year, I think AlphaTauri underperformed last year. Mm. I think that uh, yeah, pre-season tasting... Yeah. Tasting? Tasting. <laughs> what, were they, tasting what were they tasting? <laughs> was genuine. <Sand>. <laughs> I think they were the fourth or fourth or fifth fastest team mm. last year and just had a slow start to the end and could never catch back up, essentially. Um, so you're right. 
I mean, as always, too, I mean, we're making predictions off nothing. <laughs> the most rogue and random preseason testing. I reckon. Um, you wait for my predictions. Okay. So let's move on to Alpine then. Yeah. So I'm just going to come out and say it right now so I don't get made to look a fool of later on. I have said for about 18 months now, I think, Paul, you can agree or disagree. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can confirm. The Alpine are 2022 champions. Yeah. Like I've been all over it because I just got this sneaking suspicion when they managed to lure Ricardo and then they managed to lure Alonso that they thought. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Well, they were confident that they were going to pull a Mercedes of 2014, that mm. they had been working so long on these 2022 regs that, of course, were supposed to come in last year, that they were like, Wish we are surely going to be so ahead of everyone else. We're going to be race winners. Now, they've come out of the box again. Another quiet preseason testing. No real kind of signs of anything that special. Uh, all I would say is that last year, you know, they did have... You know, Alonso came on strong towards the end of the year. Yeah. It looked like old Alonso was back. Ocon got that totally fluke <laughs> race victory and then just disappeared again. So not sure what's going on with him, but uh, oh, can I reveal this? I'll, I'll leave him nameless, but uh, I was recently on a plane with a journalist <sighs> who had interviewed the whole Alpine team. Will Baxton, obviously. No, <laughs> I don't know Will, unfortunately. Another journalist um, uh, for a piece. And, and I, I declared my prophecy Alpine were going to be champions. This isn't your conspiracy thing. No, no, no it's a prophecy. Uh, uh, okay. Not conspiracy. Oh, so this is legit happening. <laughs> no. Is that what prophecy is? Well, I'm now doubting it slightly. But <laughs> yeah. I said, you know, this was this was prior to preseason okay. testing. This was between Barcelona and Bahrain. And I went, um, you know, I think they're gonna they got something up their sleeves. And he went, they are they are quietly very confident. They really? give off an air of smirking like they've got something up their sleeve. Mm. Now I don't think that because they're French. <laughs> you think that they just, just constantly just walk smart. around with an air of Frenchness. Shout out to our French listeners. <laughs> I have French family, so sure. I, I kind of get the. I can I can be rude about them because I've got French family. I get the vibe. They um, yes, I don't think they have necessarily delivered on what I believe to be their their promise of. Well, I made up their promise, but. <laughs> I I still have a sneaking suspicion that maybe there might be a slightly different car or something lurking under the skin of that Alpine. And whilst I'm not sure they're going to be challenging for the championship the first five or six races of the year, 
I think they might be a little bit more competitive than they were letting mm. on. And I think... You think they'll evolve? Yes, when we get on to reviewing or revealing what we predict to be the running order to the start of the year, I think you'll be surprised by what our position is. Okay. Um, surely Alonso's going to walk all over Ocon this year, though. Like, that's just a given, right? I would actually hope. I yes. think going into the beginning of 2021, when I was saying that Alonso was coming back to sell T-shirts, I actually... Slugs slowly starting to warm to the oh, guy. No. Slowly starting to become a bit of a fan. No, no. And I think these guys are helping as well. Oh, because just Mazepin's gone, now you're looking for another dick dastardly character to support. Yeah, well, yeah. he's been in the sport for a long time and he brings a lot of sponsorship money with him. Alonso. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just can't. He he, he carries a lot of weight in the motorsport world. He does. You've got to think. You, you've got he's to think. also a difficult character, as everyone's always said. And I just can't gel with him. For me, it's still too raw. Firstly, uh, Schumacher Alonso. <laughs> too Ham raw. Hamilton Alonso. <laughs> and Alonso Vettel, the snore. So basically, like in your lifetime, you'll never get over him. Yeah, I don't think so. Like, you know, Hakkinen, by the time Hakkinen retired for a couple of years, I was like, I love Hakkinen. <laughs> Even Nico Rosberg, like poor Nico, who I've now met five or six times and spoken to very regularly. I had to say to him the first time I met, I was like, by the way, I hated you for a good five years. <laughs> um, but like, you get over it. But for some reason, Alonso, I, I just somehow cannot get over the fact that he's always been the one that I've been going, boom. <laughs> I just can't move on. I'm sorry, Alonso. Well, I like him now. Sure you're a nice guy. <laughs> uh, McLaren. McLaren. Now, again, a team that at the end of last year, I think we had a lot of hope for going into 2022. Mm. They were on this real upward trajectory, nearly had two victories last year, had the one, two, and Monza amazing. Norris really should have got that Sochi victory. Unfortunate or unlucky with the weather. Um, now, historically, when McLaren have done that, you know, 1997, for example, they then went on to dominate the years ahead. I don't think they've taken that leap forward and Bahrain wasn't the strongest test for them. Barcelona, they looked quick. Mm. Uh, Norris, Ricardo, uh, Seidel, everyone was quick to say, no, we're not, like, we just need a few more <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah, Don't read into yeah. it. Uh, and then Bahrain, they said, went the opposite way and had a load of issues and Danny <laughs> Ricardo got COVID. Yeah. So I'm a bit like, oh, what does that really mean yeah, for McLaren? Yeah, it's, it's hard to analyse. I think they're going to have a similar year to next year. Do you? Uh, last year, sorry. I think they're going to have a similar year to last year. If they get, maybe they could get one or two victories again. Are they going to compete for the championship? I don't, I don't think so at this stage. At this point, I don't think so. I would, I would agree, but I also have a real urge within me to see McLaren getting podiums, and, and I don't know, I don't really know why, but I want them and Ferrari, oh, obviously I know why, because it would be more entertaining, rather than see the gap close between like the Red Bull and the Mercedes, I want to see the Ferrari and the McLarens get closer to the Red Bull and Mercedes so that we've got like a four horse race. Yeah. 2012. Yeah. Four teams competing yeah. for victories every race. That's, that's what I want to see. And I think with McLaren, they've got the drivers now, like Lando is really coming in to becoming this mature, he's, he's found himself leading the field. And yeah, in Sochi, he had a, uh, an unlucky, weather front <laughs> no one can control the weather yeah, and, and know, Ricardo, we know Ricardo can win a Grand Prix like he's fully capable of doing that and had a strong end of the year mm. I mean you know I don't think he was quite on Lando's pace and I'm sure he would want more from himself and I still I still think that in his day or on his day Ricardo would beat Norris mm. I don't think he's there yet um, 
But towards the end of last year, he was coming on strong. So I'm hoping that they'll push each other forward and we'll see Danny Rick getting more and more comfortable with that car and stronger and stronger this year once he's <laughs> gone over COVID. Yeah. Did you see that um, Lando was giving Ricardo debriefs and like uh, WhatsApp voice notes at the end of every day? No. So obviously Ricardo is self-isolating, keeping himself to himself and not being able to get in the car. So after the at the end of the day, Lando was almost debriefing Ricardo, which is nuts when you consider that, yes, they're teammates, but fundamentally as we've seen from Drive to Survive and within podcasts, the teammates are probably at each other's throats the most. They're competing against each other the most. Um, and it's nice to see a real team ethos and culture within McLaren. I think that does come from Zach Brown. I think it does come from the top. And to see Danny Rick and Lando, who are probably two of the best personalities within the Formula One grid, working together in a hope that they're going to bring the best out of each other that's where i see throughout this season let's say the cars enable drivers to follow closer because we've not we've got a little inkling but not that much um having ferrari and mclaren a few seconds off the red bull and the mercedes rather than 15 to i mean at some point so uh, lewis was lapping every single other as was max so yeah i think you're so right i mean to, to touch on the drive to survive thing, you know, I think Lando's come out quite quickly and said that he's not particularly happy with how they portrayed some storylines and some narratives. And one thing that they really hammed up was this supposed, you know, feud between Norris mm. and Ricardo. Now, whilst that might've taken a little bit of Hollywood, you know, um, artistic, uh, what's it called? Um, license? No, yeah, no, creative, yeah, creative, yeah, creative. creative license. You know, anyway, yeah, they, yeah. They, they might've sort of hammed it up slightly. It's not, there's no smoke without fire. So I think at the start of the year, there was, a li not a little bit of tension, but you know, we've got to remember at the end of 2020, when it was announced Ricardo was joining Norris, we were like, oh my God, like the, this is going to be so exciting. They're the funniest guys in the world. They're going to be best <laughs> yeah. mates. And I think they'll be like, guys, we're actually just racers. Yeah, like, you yeah. know? So there was a bit of that. And then of course, Ricardo had that very slow start to the year. But towards the end of the year, I think once Ricardo had got that victory and started to find some performance, and then Norris as well was performing at such a high level, they bonded under Zach Brown, as you said, to see the greater good. Mm. Actually, if we can now perform at a level and we can come together and push this team forward, we're all going to succeed. And I think it, it appears, at least on social media, that those two are getting along a lot better um, than they had been, or at least they were publicizing before. And you're right, there's this sort of general, a real weird thing, you know, as, as, a, fan, as a 90s fan, thinking of McLaren as this kind of fun, family cool place like cool team on the grid is weird like yeah. they were forever the stormtroopers like zero emotion like you know ron dennis running a tight ship micka hackenden like you know just anyway um <laughs> but now they're the kind of team that i almost want to hang out with like they yeah, just like yeah. even the pr team we kind of know a lot of their names and like you see the regular faces and they have personality and character and i just want them to do well i'm willing them success where i wouldn't always have felt like that about mclaren so mm. uh, they, they feel like a more inclusive team yep. for the fans exactly that i think for the fans they're doing very well so yeah i would love to see them as competitive as they were last year if not more competitive especially from ricardo's side and it would be great if they got a couple more victories mm. i think i think that would be oh cool. yeah i want to see them right up there the i want to see them right up there so we now have to move <laughs> on to 
Ferrari. Shall I? Are you going to do your monologue? Because I'm just going to. No, you see. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just sit back and have a little snooze and then go. Well, okay, so just to bring you up to speed in case you missed testing, uh, the general consensus is right now, before anyone's really shown their hand, Ferrari are looking the most consistent. I wouldn't necessarily say they are 100% the fastest. Red Bull came out with an amazing upgrade package right on that final day of testing. And yeah, it's hard. It's so hard to know. But across the six days of preseason action, Ferrari have looked super strong. So let's assume, let's assume Ferrari are going to be championship uh, challengers this year. My question to you. Which driver? Which driver could win the driver's championship? Leclerc or Sainz? I actually think Sainz. (laughs) (laughs) I just think having seen Leclerc, 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 um, overdrive. He's, he's, he's more capable of overdriving the car in situations where it's not necessary. Like, either fighting his way through the grid after a mistake, which I don't know why he always seems to have problems in Monaco, but he does, doesn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah. really yeah. bad luck in Monaco. But every single image that I have of Leclerc getting frustrated in the car and overdriving the cars in Monaco. <laughs> yes. But Good point. Um, I just feel like signs being the cool operator that he is, I just feel like over a season when consistency is key, if he if they are both given championship winning cars, I'd back Carlos. It's so Prost Senna or Hamilton Button. Like mm. their methodology is so different. Yeah. You're right, science is a real comes across as a real analytical long play driver. Which I think will frustrate shot. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's also is a hard thing to beat. A guy who can just amass yeah, points. Yeah. Someone who's just there, ticking away, amassing points. And he's clinical and he builds throughout the year. Mm. We've seen it the last three years. Science always seems to finish so strong. A bit like Hamilton. It's a very similar Hamilton technique that of finishing with the last six races of the year so strong. And that's where you can really clean up on a load of points and, and gain some positions in the championship. So I don't knock Science at all. Could science win a championship in a competitive fry? 100%. But I have been a Leclerc fanboy <laughs> yeah, since yeah. his Formula 2 GP2 championship winning year. Um, and you know, I'm not saying that he is not a, a potential world champion driver. He's the freaking chosen one. You know, he, is, <laughs> he is the ultimate. And I just have to believe in my heart, give the man that championship winning car, a bit like, was it 2019 or 2020 when Ferrari were competitive? 2019? 2019. 2020. When did he win at Monza? 2020. Oh, anyway, I'm losing my mind. (laughs) Um, I think push comes to shove. Uh, Race results, qualifying results, Leclerc will just have the edge over science, but I'm so with you that we have seen he's a passionate emotion, emotion, uh, emotive guy. Anyway, yes, if for whatever reason he gets thrown off his trajectory i think leclerc's easier sort of yeah he makes mistakes easier yeah. and, and so he's easier to knock off his course that's exactly it or at least from that's what you know we've we've seen previously <laughs> yeah so, we're, we're such experts, such experts. we can talk like that about a formula one driver and you're right if science keeps his cool head and these guys are literally scoring podiums every single race weekend i could see it being that leclerc makes the odd uncharacteristic mistake and that's where science could pull in but you know if i I say, if you view it as a Hamilton button, uh, 
uh, an Alonso. I'm trying to think of really competitive teammates. Um, Rosberg, Hamilton, did I just say that already? Um, who else have we? Yeah, Senna Prost. Like, essentially, I think the quicker driver, the raw quicker driver, usually just about comes out on top. Which would be exciting because that's be exciting. Leclerc, right? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, yeah. That's what I would say. Yeah. But hey, if Ferrari win a championship, I don't really care. <laughs> but because of my love affair for Charles Leclerc, <laughs> yeah. I will... Str- I will be How would you deal with signs? I would applaud signs. Would and say, I would say, oh my God, like, wow. And you go and order another Ferrari? Yeah, in Leclerc's paint job. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so uh, powering on to the top two. Red Bull. Why are they? Oh, because they didn't win the championship. So Red Bull. Max Verstappen, world champion, and mm. Sergio Perez, as I say, came out with a stonker of a car on the final day of preseason testing. Uh, beautifully sculpted. Which I missed, by the way. Ah, okay. So you're referencing this final day, and I'm I'm kind of bringing a real basic fan, Formula One fan approach to this particular podcast because as we know, the season's going to evolve. I knew you were going to watch as many minutes of testing as yeah. possible, which is why I didn't really. Fine. You because there's going to be a lot of people that don't really I mean, only losers care. watch six hours of testing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because it means nothing. Yeah, I mean, and then it you, literally means you've literally nothing. got um, Martin Brundle and Crofty doing these stints in the commentary box with like zero energy or they're just there talking Obviously, when you're presenting a Formula One race, it's exciting. Everything's happened there. And they're just there going, so um, tomorrow, when we're playing golf, <laughs> are you going to be annoyed with my swing again? I'm trying to change it. Like, as Lewis is like going flat, flat around. around. <laughs> the thing is, it's like watching the warm-up for a football match. No, no, no. It's not even like watching the warm-up to a football match. It's like watching the England team in the training camp two weeks before the World Cup starts of them just doing kick-ups. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fair. So the only other reference I could think of was tennis. You know, when they go out for like warm-up and they're just swinging. Like no, just no, 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 no. Going, oh, God, he's missing a lot of service. No, because there's, like- there's practice courts that you will train on in the morning. If you've got like a 3 p.m. Yeah, tennis match, yeah, like, you'll what? literally go to, to the practice when, I'm courts. trying to think when there's more than just one individual because all the teams are on track. That's yes, the only reason yes, yeah. I'm trying to think there, There's more than one practice court all lined up. Trying to analyse <laughs> yeah. like something that doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. But but because of the rate of development, you can at least yes, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So on the final day, it seems to be all the focus is in and around the side pods Mm. so it seems to be a lot of the development is in and around the side pod area and that might change throughout the year but yeah that's i think it would change track to track potentially Mm. you could be so right and so what happened was uh mercedes turned up to bahrain with these basically sort of (laughs) non-side pods and everyone's like are these even illegal (laughs) not many other people made that many huge changes but then on the final day kind of out of nowhere Everyone was like, oh, the Red Bull shutters down. Everyone's been on track for an hour. We can hear a lot of drilling. And these whispers start to sound saying, oh, a B-spec Red Bull car is about to launch. Oh my God, they just put some huge oh. like uh, upgrade program. B-. And finally the shutters rolled open and literally as the shutters were opening, Perez like drives out <laughs> so hardly anyone can see. He goes around and basically sets a fast lap straight away, straight to the top of the timetable. And it cuts to a shot inside the garage of Helmut Marco. Helmut Marco smiled. That's never happened before, ever. Oh, wow. In his own, like, that's never happened. Yeah. It caught him and he said it was like, and it was like that Kanye West clip where he's smiling. Uh, yeah, and he goes, yeah. Oh, and he just stopped smiling immediately because he realized the camera's on him. So there was something in that lap or that, that they were like, yeah. Yeah, it's good. working. It's working. So Red Bull looked good. Very little 
porpoising. Do you know? Mm. That, do you know? Yeah, 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 the, yeah. The yeah. I've been watching the, all of the uh, explanation videos on YouTube on that. The uh, the exactly. So the bouncing due to ground effects, it's like turbulence in a plane, basically. Mm. Um, but because of these new aero regulations, if you don't get the car in the perfect sweet spot, essentially at high speed, the car can. Li- it sort of looks like it's bouncing or shaking because of the vortices. It's a weird air. terminology to call it porpoising because a porpoise is a fun, fat dolphin, isn't it? But does it go? Does it go up and down and stuff? It does, yeah. There must be a reason why yeah. it's porpoising. But uh, anyway, so yeah, Red Bull seemed to dial a lot of that out. So I think at the end of, again, pointless preseason testing, <laughs> uh, everyone was like, mm, Red Bull looked quick there. Mm. So let's wait and see. I mean, I think it would be very sad if Verstappen couldn't defend that championship. Oh, but I, I actually think that the Red Bulls are incredibly confident that they've already got a car that can if not get him the double. I mean, mm. you know, I, I just think after everything we saw and because of all the controversy, if for whatever reason they weren't there, they weren't competitive enough to give him a proper championship competing car, it would just be a bit of a, oh, it'd be a shame for him. Yeah. Uh, and I think for us as the sport, you know, we, we kind of want him to see him come out now. He's got that championship. What does he look like as a champion? Uh, what does that mean to him? What's that fight going to be like? So yeah, I, I'm hoping that he's at least able to compete for the championship in a in a doggedly way, he <laughs> might come out and just walk it, and he'll just you know be a new era of dominance from Stefan. Yeah. Who knows? But um, I have to say, not a big fan of the design of his one on his car. A bit too fat for me. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, like a slimmer one. But you know, uh, it's my OCD. You for could you. always submit it into their Twitter. Yeah, could do. <laughs> um, so then, finally, we come on to Mercedes. Now, this is where the podcast really starts. Uh, I, I hope not. Because I don't have a lot to say about this. No, I mean, I actually didn't really take too much note because I actually didn't take too much note from Red Bull or Mercedes because going back to the end of last year, the way that it finished, coming into preseason testing and everything and seeing on Drive to Survive just how petty everything did get. Um, I'm not actually that interested not that interested between Mercedes and Red Bull. I actually got so much of their fight last season um, that it's almost, I'm oversaturated with it. I know. I don't really care about what Toto Wolff's got to say. I really don't care what Christian Horner's got to say. Obviously I want Lewis Hamilton to win another world championship. But apart from that, I would happily watch Ferrari and McLaren shake things up at the front far more then I'm interested between Lewis versus Max. I I weirdly totally agree yeah. with you. I don't think I could stomach another year no. of Lewis versus Max. My heart can't. Well, I, I just think <laughs> I think it's it's we've seen every variation yeah, of yeah, it. Like yeah. There's there's nothing more to witness in the, I mean, we say this now, cut to the end of the year, mm, we're like, what yeah. a season. But Hopefully. but yeah, it was so over the top last year. There was so much that happened and it's dragged on. And, and I'll just touch on one point you just said there. I'm sorry, but Christian Horner is doing himself no yeah. favors oh, yeah. these yeah, days. Yeah, yeah. No, um, my brother, who is not necessarily a Formula One fan, only really keeps his eye on it because obviously I love it. Um, and he'll message me every now and again. And he's seen Drive to Survive season one, season two. And obviously... Christian Horner is uh, what I would say is like a fairly warm character in those seasons. Um, And he actually messaged me, I think it was halfway through the season last year going like, I actually thought Christian Horner was quite nice, but why has he turned into a a petty psycho? Mm. I mean, it's obsessive and it's to the point where it's just becoming so 
ridiculous. We all want to move on from last yeah. year. All of us want to move on. Like, this is crack on. We've got a whole new season ahead of us. It's so exciting. New regulations, new rules, new cars, everything. And at every opportunity, he is still bringing up what happened last mm. year. Still belittling Toto Wolff. Still moaning about Lewis Hamilton. It's this kind of obsessive narrative that is ah oh, just like shut and you up. know he takes that home as well oh my god jerry like hallowell's just sitting at home being like i'm just Mate, trying leave just, it out just trying to make lasagna for the family can you shut up but also he's like a troll it's not like <laughs> yeah it's not like interesting points he'll come up like oh well, toto wolf doesn't really know what he's doing he's just in it for money he's not really here for like thing and then he really got caught out christian which i'm so happy about making that ridiculous comment saying uh, we're speaking the, to a journalist saying yeah. like, they're not legal yeah and he made it as an aside comment to some journalist who then of course posted about it and then Ribble had to backtrack and say oh he never made, he didn't make those comments he didn't make, and he's like I don't know what you're talking about like the whole thing was so uncomfortable because he's just walking around everywhere bitching mm. like, just move on mate anyway <laughs> sorry I had to get off my chest because it's really been annoying me. Um, so yeah so Mercedes funny I'm a bit the same as you and also classic Lewis Hamilton tactic for the last four years the end of testing <laughs> we're really in trouble guys like, we're re- like, this is going to be a really tough season maybe it will be yeah, great yeah. I think it's kind of cool if we get to see him yeah. fighting yeah but until we're four or five races mm. in, I'm sort of a bit like not really going to listen to it. So mm. anyway, I, I'm not picking up my phone because I'm bored of you. I'm picking up my phone because the <laughs> other day in the group, I put my suggested uh, predictions for sort of general pace going into the first race. Okay. So I thought we could review that mm-hmm. before we make our predictions for the season. Whilst I look for my, my list, <laughs> what do you think? I say just the, the sort of general running order. I don't, you don't have to literally say one to 10 finishing order. But just who might be fast is kind of roughly where you would put people. I would obviously like to see Mercedes collectively faster than Red Bull. Okay. So whether that's a, a Mercedes one and three, because we cannot discount Max Verstappen. Obviously, uh, Perez either. Um, so Mercedes, Red Bull. Um, I don't want to say Ferrari. I'm going to go McLaren, Ferrari. Um, the rest. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Okay, no, no. No, no, I want Aston Martin. I want Aston Martin up there. I'd prefer to see Aston Martin above Alpine. Okay, interesting. And, yeah, then, just, and then just like knock, knock the rest back. Uh, so, yeah, I've got Ferrari, I think are probably fastest, closely followed by Red Bull and Mercedes then McLaren, then Aston Martin, Alfa Tauri, then Williams, Hassan, Alpine, and Alfa Romeo bring up the rear. All I was going to say very quickly is we didn't touch on the George Russell stat that I really wanted to bring up just because I love to uh, <laughs> pick, pick holes in the theory that he's the second coming because I'm a Leclerc fan. By the way, I have been fortunate enough to have met George Russell. Lovely guy, mm. like super nice yeah. guy clearly very talented. I never like anything that has too much hype. Mm. L- like long-term listeners of the main podcast will know I, I'm not someone who really buys into a lot of hype. You so you bought an RS6. So I bought an RS6. <laughs> that's, that's why I mentioned that because the audience love to remind me about that statement. Um, and Russell for me is a lot of hype so far. So this was the stat that was posted uh, in Reddit, which was the analysis of Latifi versus Russell for the year. An average uh, gap Latifi's gap to Russell um, across the season was 0.1 seconds of mm. all races. Uh, in, sorry, in average, including all races, 0.104. Median, including all races. What's the median compared to the average? 0.026. <laughs> Essentially, he was a t- Latifi <laughs> within a tenth 
across all races for the season. Mm. I mean, and, and I think people maybe didn't realise exactly how close that was. Yes, I think I think um, there is obviously a lot of hype around George Russell. Last year, there was a lot of noise quite early on in, in the season as well, because I think it was um, expected that he was going to get the Mercedes seat. So obviously he was going to have a lot of hype around it, but actually Latifi working away in the background was not uh, blown away by George at all. For sure. In the same car. And I think that's what that uh, screenshot um, kind of um, proved. Proved, exactly. Yeah. Well, let's see. I think if they're a competitive car, Russell will win races, will get pole positions. Um, and, and could take the challenge to Hamilton for sure. Um, I'm intrigued to see how he gets on. So we come down to it. We've got a week to go. This time next week, we'll be reviewing the first race yes, we of the 2022 will. season. So predictions for Drivers' Champion 2022 and Constructors' Champion 2022. Um, it's, it's really boring. And I actually want to fight myself from saying Lewis and Mercedes. Um, but I'll probably say that because I want to be right. I'm going to say... Don't so say you're, saying, you're saying drivers Lewis, constructors Mercedes. <laughs> I, I purely want this so that we can then move on to the next era post So you want to win and go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just win and retire, man. Yeah. Don't drag this on any longer. But I do think I do think George will play the perfect driver number two for Lewis. I, I, I genuinely believe, I mean, I've said this and it's kind of a conspiracy that I've said in a few episodes and I've definitely said it off camera as well, that, that George this season would have already not signed anything but agreed to do everything in his power to help Lewis. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there's probably a part of it of like, look, you've got a couple more years of apprenticeship here, young mm. Paddy one. You know, mm. like you're on the big team. Take it chill. You're in the dream seat. Yeah. And once Lewis is gone, we're, we're yeah, all on yeah, you. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's a building up process, I yeah. think. I'm going to say driver's champion Verstappen. Mm. Constructor's Ferrari. Really? Yeah, because I, I actually think whilst Mercedes have probably been sandbagging and doing their usual thing, I think Red Bull and Ferrari might just have the edge on them this year. And I think Ferrari will be consistent in the constructors, but will take away points from each other in the drivers. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think Verstappen will do it. I think, I think he'll, I think double champion. I think, I think that leads to an exciting season considering we're both hoping that it's not going to be just a dogfight between Lewis and Max for sure. And I would much rather see so many multiple race winners um that would i mean i would be more than happy to see verstappen win the drivers championship and and a completely different team that isn't mercedes or red bull win the constructors championship so you got is that a more of a desired is that what you no, think's gonna happen? I think it's gonna happen okay what do i want to happen leclerc ferrari okay i'm i love lewis i'm a lewis fan i'm over it he's done everything he needs to do yeah see, i don't feel for me i have no needle desire for him to win that eighth championship so you already think he's the best driver in the world yes <laughs> okay. yes probably so he's better than schubacher good i don't i always said i don't think you can compare eras. uh yeah i know is hamilton better than senna i don't uh, is hamilton better than fangio i don't think you can compare eras yeah i, I just don't think giving, having an eighth championship will position Hamilton any stronger than he already is. He's got mm. almost every other single title uh, or record. 
he's proven his worth against the greatest drivers from different. Like I don't, I don't need it. I, 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 I need a Ferrari championship. I need a Ferrari championship. Okay. That's what I need. That's what I desire. Is that because you want the value of your car to <laughs> yeah, go up? Basically, <laughs> I've just re- I've just repainted it. I'll change the plaque to include 2022 as well as the uh, early 2000s. Anyway, let's wait and see. As I say, this time next week, Paul and I will be sitting down to review or to. Can we get or- some new caps here? Yes, we'll get some new caps for our review of the first race of the year. And a new table. No, don't be rude about the table. Anyway. Just thinking, it's a new series. We could have spruced the place up a bit. Feel free to find some sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, uh, if you uh, are intrigued by the season ahead, if you've enjoyed After Second Flag, maybe it's the first time you've listened, uh, subscribe now. If you're watching here on the Behind the Glass YouTube channel, turn on notifications. You can keep following us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. Um, and yeah, I guess that's, that's all we've got to say for now. So we will see you next week for what will hopefully be an exciting episode. Could be a disastrous procession. It will, it will be, regardless of what happens. Seeing those cars line up and watch those lights go out is what I've been waiting for ever since um, Abu Dhabi. Yeah, it's not felt that long, but anyway, here we go. <laughs> so yes, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.